Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. This morning, as I indicated earlier, we are beginning a new sermon series entitled Becoming Battle Ready, the importance of putting on the full armor of God. If you ever ever watched a war movie, especially one that takes place on a battleship, you have heard at some point in that movie an alarm go off followed by the words, Ban your battle stations. When that alarm goes off and those words are given, everyone rushes to their assigned stations to defend themselves against the enemy's attack. This passage that we will be studying over the next several weeks is Paul's man your battle stations war cry to us. His plea to us to put on the full armor of God. You and I know this, hopefully, um, but we are in a spiritual battle. Notice what Paul has to say about this in our focal passage this morning. Beginning of verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Do you remember the song growing up? I'm in the Lord, Lord's army. You remember that song? You know, we don't sing that anymore, but, and I'm not going to sing it to you now, but the lyrics are up here. <clears throat> but the song goes, I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never shoot for the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army, and you would go, yes, sir, I'm in the Lord's army, yes, sir. Do you remember that song, though? Of course. But is that song accurate? No. That song leads us to believe. (coughs) That song leads us to believe that as soldiers in the Lord's army, there are times when we do not need to be battle-ready. When we may not have to march or ride or shoot. But folks, you and I are in a war every waking moment of every day. Every believer is under attack. And every believer must be battle ready. We must know that the devil is real. And that the devil and his minions are out to destroy us. Considering this, notice our first point this morning. It is this, our strength comes from the Lord. Again, in verse 10 we read, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
Now, before we dive into this sermon series, we must recognize that in order to be strong in the Lord, we must first believe in the Lord, right? This is fundamental. If you do not believe in the Lord, then you are not going to understand that there is a real battle that is going on between good and evil. You know good exists. You know evil exists. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 we read, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The devil has veiled the eyes of unbelievers, but God in all of his goodness sent his only Son, Jesus, to this world to provide a way for those blinders to come off and for you and I to be victorious over the devil and sin. If you do not believe in the Lord, my prayer for you today is that today you'll make the greatest decision that you could ever make, that today will be the day that you repent of your sins, that today will be the day that you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and today will be the day that you recognize that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not a historical event, but it is a real event that actually happened, and because Jesus conquered death, all of us in this room can enter into an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Next, to be strong in the Lord, you must understand the strength of the Lord. We read again, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. A better way and more literal translation of this verse is be strengthened in the Lord. If there's any person that understood this, it was Paul, right? Think about Paul. Think about all the things that he had to endure as a believer, as one of the leaders, part of the early church. Um, in, in beginning in the latter parts of part, um, part of verse 23 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul wrote these words. He said, with far greater labors, far more imprisonment, With countless beatings and often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardships through many a sleepless night, and hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me and my anxiety for all the churches. You know, Paul experienced a lot over the course of his life, over the course of his ministry days, and he understood the importance of being strengthened in the Lord, of turning to the Lord, and growing in his relationship with the Lord. In fact, in Philippians 4.13, Paul wrote, in light of all of this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This verse does not say I can do some things or I can do most things. Paul says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And just as Paul could do those things, you and I can do those things too as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice our next point. Protection against the enemy comes from the Lord. In verse 11, um, we're instructed, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Just like a person needs to believe in the Lord, hear me when I say this, a person needs to be aware that the devil is real as well. 
Jesus said of the devil, um, he calls him a thief and said that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. You know one way the devil tries to steal, kill, and destroy? He tries to glorify himself and make himself entertaining, right? Reaching back to ancient days, the devil has tried to fascinate the minds of people with the occult through astrology and witchcraft, fortune-telling, Ouija boards, tarot cards. I saw something not too long ago that apparently there is a Christian version of the Ouija board, okay? That is beyond messed up right there. Um, but, but, but going back to the beginning of recorded scripture in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 8, verses 9 through 12, Moses penned these words. He, he, um, we read, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you any who burns his sons or his daughters or as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a nurkomancer or one who inquires of the dead, forever does these things and all is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. The devil is real. He and his minions are active in this world, and he often uses subtleties to entrap us um, or to lure us, right? Think about Hollywood. Man, how many movies are you aware of that have glorified the demonic? How many weird and twisted books have people like Stephen King written um, for, under the guise of entertainment? I did a Google search, and some of the scariest movies ever, and these are kind of older movies, but are movies like The Exorcist, The Conjuring, The Shining. Each of those movies make it clear that the demonic is real. These were blockbusters, and man, they made millions of dollars. And we know that money talks, right? So what do the Hollywood elites do? They make more movies like this for the sake of making more money. At this time to release between now and next year, there are 20-plus horror movies coming out. People are entertained by these movies. But make no mistakes, these are movies birthed into the heart of man by the devil himself. No one enjoys being the center of attention more than the devil, right? Reaching back to the Garden of Eden, the devil himself made Adam and Eve believe that eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a good thing. The devil told them if they eat from it, what's going to happen? They would be like God, right? They would know good and evil. Here's what happened when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit. For the first time in their lives, they were aware that evil really did exist. They knew what it meant to sin. Man, their eyes were open, right? They knew what it felt like to experience shame after they sinned. The effects of that first sin brought corruption into this world and suffering into this world and death into this world. It unleashed the power of Satan upon this world. You and I are experiencing the consequences of what Adam and Eve did thousands of years ago. God granted them what he intended to keep from them. 
the effects of evil. Evil existed, though, before the devil tempted Adam and Eve. At some point in history's past, the devil was an angel. But because of his pride, he wanted to be like God and take the place of God, right? Notice what, what, what we read in Isaiah um, chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. We read here of his punishment um, because of his pride. We read, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far <clears throat> reaches of the pit. Now, the Bible does not speak directly to this, but we also know that with the devil comes demons, right? Comes his minions. The book of Revelation speaks of the devil and demons. Demons are those who rebelled with Satan and were equally cast from heaven. The devil is actively working in this world to destroy it. The devil is using humanity. He's using um, the lost as his tool to bring this about. In 1 John 3, 8 we read, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Before we were saved, folks, we were under the influence of the devil, weren't we? In fact, we read in Ephesians chapter 2, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The work of the devil in our lives caused us to gratify the cravings of our flesh and to follow after its desires and thoughts. That was us before Christ. Post-Christ, we know that our flesh is still weak, right? We know it's weak. That's why Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5, 8-9, through 9, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. We're told here that the devil is like a roaring lion. He is trying to destroy us as believers. And he is trying to hold captive the lives of unbelievers. So what must we do? We must be sober-minded. We must be watchful. We must resist him, and we must stand firm in our faith. We also must understand that as believers, okay, this is real important, the devil cannot possess us, okay? I know that this is a heavy, weighty sermon this morning, but demon possession is real. Okay, the Bible speaks of this. Jesus, on more than one occasion, cast demons out of individuals. And not only that, but as we walk through the, the, the New Testament, we see the apostles doing the same thing. He cannot possess us. He cannot even put thoughts into our minds. He does not have any control over us in a physical sense. But no. He can use outside forces 
and people to lure us into sin. He can lure us into things like alcohol addiction and opiate addiction, drug addiction, sex addiction, into pornography. What Satan is a master at doing is using the tools at his disposal to lure us into his traps. He didn't create alcohol, did he? But because of sin, he certainly has used it as a tool for indulgence. He did not create sex, but he certainly has used it to lure us and entrap us. As a believer, you and I cannot use the excuse that the devil made me do it. The devil did not make you do anything. You are not under the control of the devil. You and I are Holy Spirit-led. You and I are Holy Spirit-gifted. And we are under the control of the Holy Spirit. But we have free will, don't we? We still have the ability to choose. And we know that the flesh is weak. And we still live with the burden of, of trying to gratify the flesh. Now, for an unbeliever, they certainly can, can use the excuse that the devil made me do it. Because they are not led by the Spirit of God, but they are led by the God of this world. So what does Jesus instruct us to do as believers to combat evil? He tells us to pray, doesn't he? You know, in Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13, Jesus instructed his disciples and us. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're told here to pray that the Lord would deliver us from evil. That is a prayer we are instructed to pray as Christians. Why? Because as Peter reminds us, the devil is a roaring lion and he is seeking someone to devour. Peter reminds us that the devil, again, is a roaring lion. James instructs us to resist the devil and he will flee from us. So the devil is real. And we know that the devil does not fight fair. That is why it is essential that we find protection against the enemy. That's why we must put on the whole armor of God. Over the next several weeks, we're going to study the different pieces of the armor and how those pieces help us to be victorious over evil. We're going to look at the belt of truth, the gospel shoes. We're going to look at the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and the importance of being prayed up as believers in Jesus Christ. But before we study the different pieces of the armor, we must recognize that the armor does us no good if we do not utilize it and strap it on. If we keep our armor in the closet, what good is that going to do us? If I've got 25 Bibles on my shelf in my office and I don't read those Bibles, what good are those Bibles to me? Notice also that protection against the enemy requires us to stand against the attacks of the devil. This is a military term which has the idea of holding a critical position when faced with an attack. 
As believers, we must not retreat or abandon our post, but we must stand strong against the attacks of the enemy. That's why we must strap on the full armor of God on a daily basis. Notice next, the struggle the believer faces is against the spiritual forces. In verse 12 we read, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You have heard the saying, the struggle is real. I'm sure there's not a single person in this room that would not agree with that. We all struggle, don't we? We all struggle against the devil. At any moment, the devil is trying to distract us. He's trying to lure us away from God. The thief, again, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil is out to destroy us. But understand this, as believers, we don't have to give in to the attacks of the enemy. We are also told here of the nature of the enemy. Paul tells us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The enemy that is before us is not a physical enemy, but a spiritual one. The only success against the spiritual enemy will not come with physical weapons, but supernatural ones. The battle before us is not fought with guns and knives, but is fought when we put on the full armor of God, when we pray, when we stand firm, and when we stay alert. Notice also that there is not just one enemy. There is a number of enemies. The devil is not the only one that you and I face. When the devil was kicked out of heaven, he took with him a whole host of angels. These demons are made up of an unknown number. In verse 12, again, we read, For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The devil is active, and the devil is a great force, but he is not the supreme force, and he does not have ultimate power, does he? That belongs to the Lord. Yes, we are under attack. Yes, the life we, li life we live is not an easy life. But we have the power in us to overcome the attacks of the devil. And we can be sure of this, that we can and will be victorious over the devil. We read in James chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Man, again, I know this is a weighty message that we have looked at this morning. But in order to understand the attacks of the devil, we must under, uh, understand that, that there is a real war, war that is going on. There is a spiritual war that is going on. But as believers, we have already been victorious over the devil. God's Word has made that clear. We don't have to give in to the devil anymore. 
But we know that the devil is still attacking us. We know that the devil is still trying to lure us away from God the Father. That is why we are going to look over the next several weeks at the, at the importance of putting on each piece of the armor. Next week, we're going to look at the belt of truth. If you are here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is to repent of your sins. That is to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says if you do that, you will be saved. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and if there's a decision you need to make, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord Jesus, just to gather around your word and to study your word and to to recognize, Father, that we need to put on the full armor of God. And your word makes it clear the reason we need to put on the full armor of God is because the devil is real and the devil is attacking us. He is is hurling those fiery darts our way. So, Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that every single one of us in this room, Father, will take spiritual warfare seriously, that we won't look lightly at the devil and his minions, but we will understand truly that the devil is out to steal. The devil is out to kill the devil is out to destroy. And we see the effects of that every time that we walk outside the doors of our house, every time that we turn the television on, we see that the devil is real. And so, Father, as believers, we know that we must stand firm. We stand firm, Father, so that others will have the opportunity to enter into a personal relationship with you. Father, strengthen us in you. And Father, draw this morning, if there's someone here that has not yet received you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that this morning they'll do that very thing. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's a decision you need to make, you come.